Welcome to the Entertainment Engine. Welcome to Season 2 of the Entertainment Engine Podcast. I'm Pete Moore. And I'm Bex Gregory. This podcast was created by our company, Seamless Entertainment. We're providing in-depth advice and information for creatives pursuing a career in the entertainment industry. It's a great passion of ours and we're looking forward to sharing our knowledge with you all. Each week, we'll be bringing our listeners some great entertainment facts and news mixed in with special guest interviews from seasoned professionals who share their insight and experience of the business. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms so you never miss an episode. And what a bonus, it's totally free. And now it's time for us to introduce our special guest on the show this week. We welcome artist manager Evan Price, CEO of Artists Collective, a music education resource centre based in Chicago. After 15 years in the industry, Evan has had first-hand experience in every corner of the industry, reinforcing that knowledge with a bachelor's degree in music business from the Columbia College, Chicago. He offers his expertise through online trainings and handcrafted consultations. His mindful approach encourages artists to invest his personal branding, creating real fan connections, while focusing on collaboration rather than competition. Living that sentiment, he invites his impressive network to share their expertise through industry chats, giving independent artists access they could only ever have dreamed of. Let's take a listen to the chat Pete had with Evan earlier in the week. Welcome everybody to the Entertainment Engine. We have a great guest today, all the way from Chicago, Evan Price. Evan, how are you? Pretty good, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Before we get into it, how's um, how's life in Chicago? How's your weekend and how are you coping with this mad thing called the pandemic? Uh, Chicago's good. You know, we're getting closer to the summer, which is the which is the season where, where the city really starts to come alive. Um, so, you know, excited for some live shows, excited for some festivals to hopefully start popping up. And, you know, as far as the pandemic goes, you know, we're surviving. We're, uh, we're, we're thriving as much as we can, uh, helping artists out here. So, yeah, I think we're doing all right. How have you, um, obviously with the pandemic, how have you coped with sort of like, you know, the basic stuff like shopping, getting your food? Have you been ordering online or have you still been able to go into shops and sort of, you know, get your necessities really? Yeah, so a little bit of both. I do actually subscribe to a service that that sends me uh, weekly meals, which I really like. I, I, I cook them up. Uh, they send recipes and fresh produce. So it's really, it's really nice. Um, but everything's pretty much open in terms of stores as well so have you had the jab yet evan have you had the sort of covid jab yet anything i haven't yourself uh i had mine um two or three weeks ago um it all seems to be moving in the right direction so touch wood like you said we're we're um hopefully can move forward Mm -hmm. no absolutely should be getting mine soon it's just it's a little it's a little difficult to find a you know an area to do it you have to like it's almost like a a sneaker drop over here like you have to be up online and at 1 a.m be like oh cool i I better get my uh get my shot they got an opening so uh it's just a matter of making some time (laughs) to to get that done i get it done i get it done yeah absolutely are people um i suppose just briefly on on the on the pandemic evan are people um still wearing masks in the city are people a bit more comfortable with, with sort of their daily sort of activities at the moment uh, yes, masks still. Uh, gyms are open, uh, limited 
uh, capacity, if you will, yeah. things like that. But it seems to be the new normal now. It's yeah. not really a huge deal. It's not, not. No, no big issues of people yelling at each other for not wearing masks. It seems to be pretty, uh, pretty standard now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. No, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. And just already sort of, I suppose, taken right back to the beginning, Evan, tell me a little bit about, you know, your early life, where you grew up, and let our listeners know a little bit more about that. Sure. So I grew up in central Illinois, which is about three hours south of Chicago, the capital called Springfield, um, little town south of that pretty much. And... I started in the music industry as a drummer. I just decided I wanted to try this out. I joined uh, joined band and tried that for a while. And I decided to start my own band with my friends just for fun. You know, long story short, things started to take off and we wanted to play some shows. Nobody would really book us. There was not really a lot of venues that allowed teenagers to play. You know, bars wouldn't allow that, yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I found this little punk club not too far from my house that was a straight edge, like punk club that had 90 capacity. And I approached them and was just like, I became friends with the venue owner. I was like, hey, I'd love to you know, jump on any, any shows that you have. Uh, you know, granted, I was 14, 15 years old at this time. And he was like, yeah, I'll give you a shout. I'll throw you on this random, you know, local showcase. And things started to take off from there. And he kept giving us more shows. Like, hey, you guys did a great job. You brought a good amount of people. Let's keep doing this. Then he was like, hey, I got some promoters that fell off and I have some open dates. So I, you know, slowly became a promoter and promoting local shows. Then we wanted to play with bigger bands that were coming through that we really wanted to not only just play with, but also just see in general. So I would stalk their MySpace pages and find their manager and their agent and their personal emails and just be like, hey, I see you have an open date in between these two these two cities. Uh, I can give you 150 bucks. You can sleep on my floor. I'll give you a little Caesar's pizza as your writer and um, call it a day. <laughs> and I slowly just became, you know, I started my own promotion company without really knowing it. Woke up one day, I was just like, wow, I'm literally a promoter now. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I had to have my mom sign contracts because I wasn't 18 yet, things like that. So I was going to say, that's really interesting having your mom sign contracts. Was it? Was your mom and dad, your family really supportive of you going into that area? What was it? How did they feel about that? Definitely, definitely supportive. Yeah, my mom would cook the band's uh, home cooked meals when they came through. She was always very supportive when it comes to that. And I think that's really what, you know, pushed me towards this. I remember having a conversation when it was time to so i went to community college in in town while i stayed at my at my job there uh just to get my gen eds out of the way and i remember my mom being like or me being rather confused i'm just like what do i want to what do i want to do after my gen eds like what what, what should i do i want to be a doctor uh, a ra i remember being like i want to be a radiologist i'm just like i don't know anything about bones why would i why would i want to do that <laughs> yeah. um and she was just like evan i remember this she's like evan you, you're literally doing it right now she's like you know there's jobs doing this and you're literally making money you have a business she's like you just you know maybe learn to do this more and it's kind of the light bulb moment went off it was like that that um, just voice of approval that I needed just to say, yeah, go, go and go and try this. So, you know, the rest is history. I went to, went to college for it and got my bachelor's in music business management and here we are. So yeah. it was really, really powerful to have that, 
you know, have that figure in my life say it's okay to do it. Yeah, I was, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think when you've got sort of that um, support from, you know, influential people and your mum's your mum really at the end of the day your mum is um you know she cooks the dinner and she makes your tea and she asks if you're all good and everything but really there's always a always a support and a passion behind what she's telling you and i think if everyone's got that you know in, in the mum and dad then I, I, to be honest with you i don't think you can't achieve much else because i think if you've got that support then the world's you know the world can open up and you can deal with everything it, it sort of can throw at you really Absolutely. Can agree more. Yeah, that was definitely a big moment for me just to, and I feel like, you know, not to dive too much into it too early, but I really feel strongly that, that I, that I bring that to the artists that we work with because yeah. a lot of the artists didn't get that. They're still seeking that from parents or grandparents or guardians or friends or just people around them. So I feel like I, you know, embody that from my mom to give them that approval hey you're doing you're on the right track hey keep doing this don't give up so i feel strongly like as a music business coach and a mentor i want to take that with me and i think it all started with with my mom doing that to me yeah yeah and i and probably in the subconscious she thought about it i thought actually yeah that does make a big difference and you know going back to earlier you're saying that you obviously got your your degree at college um columbia college um in chicago what was that experience like and how would you compare that to the real world of the music industries what, what have you sort of learned on both sides really it was great i went there for two years so i came in as a junior like i said i wanted to get my gen eds out of the way to save yeah. me some money and i'm glad i did i remember coming in and talking to the juniors who were there for the first two years and i was just i was like all right i want to have some fun I'm like all right what, what classes did you take uh, math and just your, your general ones. I was like, oh, cool, let me see the books. Exact same books. <laughs> like we yeah. took the same class and I paid like a fraction of what they did. So I'm like, okay, I made a good decision, you know? Um, yeah. I was really just paying for that experience, but I tried to just jam those experiences into the two years I was there. But, um, you know, I got a place, I lived in, it was a dorm, but it was also, it was more of a, an apartment than a dorm. It wasn't just like one room. We had our individual rooms. I lived with five five guys um, that we all had our, our individual rooms within the apartment, but it was right downtown. I could see Millennium Park right there. Yeah. Um, so it was a really cool experience, just scenery, just me getting out of, you know, the rural area that I grew up in. Um, so it was really, really cool to see. Um, in terms of, you know, the school itself, it definitely taught me the basics of music business. Uh, it helped guide me to what's working now, but it also just encouraged, you know, the school encouraged us to, hey, this thing is changing all the time. Like literally while I was there, Spotify was created. Yeah. Um, yeah. and the four major record labels became three, yeah. a couple other changes. So it was just like the, it's never going to, your learning is never going to stop here. So, um, yeah, I was connected with some, with some, uh, great internships and some amazing people that I'm still connected with today. So it just really helped get me started. Yeah. I, th I think, I think that's a really good outlook as well. Cause I think the more you sort of understand about the business then you come into the real world, so to speak, and you can mix that, you know, the education with on-hand experience. And I think that helps. I'm probably going back as well when you, you know, starting out, being, you didn't realise you was a promoter at 14. That knowledge would sit with you and take you through to, you know, getting a degree. And you're probably in, you know, some classes where the lecturers were saying things to you and you think, oh, yeah, I'm aware of that because I already did that sort of five years ago when I did this. So 
you know, you can pull on experience at that point. So I think it's quite a good thing, really. Absolutely. It was great. I, I love the experience. Um, and it was great to have the, the internship was, was really what, what helped me. I'm, um, you know, <laughs> I hate, for, I would hate for Columbia people to, to, to hear this, but I felt like the internship taught me a hell of a lot more than the school itself because it was just real life experience. You know, it was just the entertainment industry is just so much hands-on like yeah i could have they could have just said hey go read these three books and you'll be you'll be good because that's essentially what we did the internship allowed me to really see what it was like um go out outside of chicago um it was with a blues artist here in town okay and he was starting his own record label i was very hands-on i became his right-hand man i helped him book shows all across the world i think uh, yeah the first show i booked him was in belgium Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, charge like six thousand dollars. So it was just like very different than the hundred and fifty dollars at the local yeah. uh, club that I was used to, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really cool to see. He was uh, he he worked with the tourism bureau here in Chicago called Chew Chicago, okay. and they hired him and his whole band and and myself to go out to to Las Vegas to perform to to represent Chicago at the Wynn Hotel. So it was just really, really cool opportunities that I don't think I ever would have gotten otherwise. So it was cool to just see and be a part of an actual working musician who is making a living, not doing anything else. He has no side gig. He's just a working musician to see that it's it actually can work. So, and as somebody also, which is another piece that I, that I bring with me, He's not, you know, he's not doing crazy numbers on stream on streams. Dude, still it was still selling physical CDs. You know, it was a whole different world of the the blues, the blues world. You know, uh, older crowd they prefer physical CDs. They buy merchandise. They support. They actually have money. So it was cool to see that side of things. So again, I, I still try to bring that into artists. Like, hey, that you know, you're super fans. You need to find super fans. Don't worry about streams as much. Find the fan that will give you a hundred dollars for no reason, over the thousand people that will just stream your song once. Yeah, yeah. No, no. That's. I think that's really valuable experience as well, Evan. I think um, it's sort of part of your experience is a part of my experiences when I first started as a promoter as well. And I think you can't beat that sort of on the job experience really and you know booking like you're saying going from 150 dollars to six thousand in europe in belgium is a massive difference you know that's that's um you know, that, that, that's a massive show um and it just teaches you that well actually artists do earn money um and to get support from the city to actually go and do other things and you to be part of that i think is a great learning curve to sort of take forward and what will you do really so i think that's a really good a really just to pass that on to, to new artists and independent acts, I think is a um, really valuable experience because it's one of the things that I've learned is if you're talking to someone that you've had the experience, they respect you a lot more. But if you're just coming from a place where you think you know what you're talking about, it just comes in a different, just works differently. Absolutely. Yeah. The experience trumps everything. Uh, you know, you, you need you need both for sure. If you, if you don't know the baseline of how things work from, you know, your book smart, you know, there's the book smart and there's the street smart. You, you need a little bit of both for sure. Not definitely not saying I would have been better not going to school. It's just like I definitely had a lot more fun, you know, on the road and like, you know, hands on and, and seeing what it was like. And it was cool because I, I found myself bringing the book smart into the street smart that he had things that he didn't know and he was like i'm not familiar with all these new technologies coming out so i was able to 
provide some value um, for his him and his team as well. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and I think you're looking at your first-hand experience in sort of many corners of the industry. What sort of changes are you seeing now? What's the sort of big changes that you've seen and, and do you expect to see going forward? Well, um, what I'd like to see at least, um, and I think I do start to see, is independent artists, you know, erasing that brainwash of you can, you, the only means of success is if you chart on Billboard. And I think that's happening. I think you're having more and more artists realize, hey, I can make a living and still not be Drake famous. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. Success and fame aren't necessarily tied so closely together. And it's, it's, it's cool to see that. And that's what myself and my company, my team is trying to like spread. Like you can be successful and not everybody in the world, not be a household name. So um, seeing that, you know, distance between those two success and fame and artists actually accepting it and just make, trying to make real connections with, with real people. Um, it's cool to see. I think so. And I think that again, brings in sort of real valuable knowledge and valuable experience and sort of leads me on to really to sort of look at you know what you what you started with in the artist collective that you set up you know obviously dedicating yourself to assisting independent acts with strategies tools and create a business explain a little bit more evan about the area and really why you set this up sure yeah so artist collective is a uh, music mentoring company coaching branding we work with independent artists that know they have a talent they know that they want to do this full time and they and they accept that this is a business and they want to create a business. You know, essentially we work with music entrepreneurs, you know, not people who just want to be recording artists who want to get it necessarily get a deal and then just sit back and do nothing. We want people who really understand that they are the CEO and the janitor of their own company. Right. So, you know, the setup really is coaching, mentoring, we've got courses. Um, it's just all around just trying to help them create a business, create revenue streams, use the platforms that are available to them for free and for paid, you know, Instagram, social media, how to properly do that and and tell their story, right? That's, that's really what this is about. That's what music and art is, is just telling a specific story and connecting with other people and finding a way to monetize it that is that, that works for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think sort of digging a bit more into that, Evan, do, do you find artists on the creative side, which obviously, you know, that's what they do and that's what they should do, but do you still think there's a disconnect with the business and the creativity? Because there's so many artists that I've seen over the years, especially in the UK, maybe Europe and some in the US, is that even now we're finding with, you know, lost royalties and they didn't understand what the paperwork was or I didn't get around to doing that. So I think, do you think it's, it's time for the intersector to actually look after themselves a bit more and stop looking at well you know it's that that get done in you know next week or two years time when it won't because if they don't look after their own stuff it's never going to get done yeah absolutely and again it's it's about erasing that brainwash and that, that may not be the right word but for the lack of a better word <laughs> yeah. um yeah you know yeah. the the mentality of i need a manager because i don't know what to do is unacceptable anymore yeah. it's unacceptable to me yeah. at least yeah. like you you know that's that's the main thing that i hear i need a manager it's like okay are you just so over flooded with work 
and opportunities that you need a manager to help you sift through that, I highly doubt it. No offense, but I highly doubt it. You, you know, you, you want, you actually want a manager because you don't want to learn how to do certain things and that's just unacceptable. So that's where we come in. We help teach them the basics of how to do that. Be your own manager, build it. You know, you know, I always, I always quote this movie. I actually have never seen, which is uh, build it and they will come. Right. Yeah, like that yeah. field of dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I've seen it all the way through. Yeah. Build it yeah. first. A manager is a business, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for a business to actually manage. Um, not just necessarily somebody to come along. So get a manager. If you need a manager and you're starting out and you just need some assistance, you know, that's where the momagers come into play, you know, an uncle or a friend or somebody who's just really passionate is like, I understand you're not making anything. I want to help you. That's okay. But too many of them, too many artists are expecting some stranger to come along who has all these connections, who can snap their fingers and make everything work. But here's the problem. If you don't have that mindset shift, I could give you all the opportunities in the world. You're not, you're not going to be ready for it. You're not going to be ready because your mind isn't there yet. Yeah. You, yeah. you are, you, you, you want to just make music and, and do your thing. I totally understand that, but you, you've got to learn the basics, you know, like what you said, the royalties, it's too many people I talk to. I'm just like, cool. Are you royalties? Well, I got my distro kid. Okay. That's a fraction of the royalties that you need. <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you even searched on Google? Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I definitely don't want to be, you know, talking like I'm putting people down, but search, search a little bit, you know, Google search, take some time. It may, may not be the most fun ever, but this is, this is your livelihood we're talking about. You should be passionate enough to want to, you know, make some money and support your family and yourself. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, I think that sort of a, a funny story for me a long time ago, I was working and, uh, you can touch on this a bit more in a minute, but I, I'm quite a big fan of metal bands and punk bands as well. And I understand you in, in a metal band and, um, the punk band I was working with really good. They were really, really good. And, um, the, the, the lead singer would come to me and say, I think we're ready. Or, you know, I just, just, just advised him really. And, um, he used to come to me for advice and support and just, you know, run stuff by me. And I was more than happy to do that. And they <laughs> said to me one day, we are, we're, gonna, we're ready. We're going to go into William Morris now and, we, and we're going to go and get the agent. And, you know, have you got any advice for us? I said, well, you know, I don't want to put you off, but good luck with that. I said, it'd be very difficult <laughs> to go and get a meeting. Um, I said, I'm not going to put it down. Do do what you can and, you know, good luck. And, and sort of lead singer took that from me as if I was being really sort of off and I wasn't. I was just trying to be, trying to prepare them for what I knew was going to happen. Um, and sort of, Six months later, I got a call from one of the band. They all sort of split up, and I think they all went their separate ways. But the lead singer turned around to me and said, "Oh, you remember that meeting we had at William Morris?" I said, "Yeah." He said, mm, "We just got to the security, and they asked us if we had a meeting. We said, well, we just wanted to see an agent.'" And they politely said, "Well, there's the door. Goodbye." And I said, "Well, you just you just you experienced everything that this industry is about. You." They don't care about you and they won't care about you unless you've just sold a million records and you're in across every single national newspaper and the agent wants to put you across every single major festival. They're not interested. Um, and it sort of it solidified. And I, I took him to one side and said, 
You just need to understand this as a business. It's all right being creative, and that's fine. I've got no issues with any of that. I said, but this is what happens with so many bands. You, they all tend to split up, in my experience, Evan, through they think they're going to sign a massive deal with a big record company. and not. I had one act that was a metal band, funny enough. Um, really, really, really good. They looked like Busted and McFly, very young boys, but on stage they were just absolutely awesome. And it came down to them and um, another band at the time. Uh, I think it was My Chemical Romance that got signed. Um, nice. It's just just one of those unfortunate things. They they didn't want two acts the same on the on the on the roster, and that was that. But I think sort of my experience and listening to what you're saying, I think it, it what the pandemic should have taught everybody, or at least I hope it's telling everybody, is this is a good time to have actually sort of honed your craft and, and be better at what you can do. Would you sort of echo that? Absolutely. And it's also showed people that, you know, in a giant worldwide crisis, um, no, I guess, focus or job career is really safe. So you might as well do what you love, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. it, we're, <laughs> we're all potentially in danger of being furloughed or fired or, you know, the business shutting down. So you might as well just start to build it yourself. Um, and that's definitely what I saw when it happened. Was it a year ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A year, a year, a little over a year ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Artists hitting us up saying, "Wow, I, you know, got a little extra money because of you know um, the stimulus. You got some extra money. I got all the time because I'm working from home, or I'm just like unemployed right now. I, I'm going to go all in on this. So I think it really did show and like force people into trying to build it themselves. So. Yeah. It was a you know, it was a silver lining, I suppose. Yeah, I think and I, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think one thing that's come out of the pandemic that I think we're both agreeing on is is there's so much, um, you know, Netflix are putting out so much and there's so much more content on Amazon and there's so much more music out there. So I think from a you know from a consumer perspective, that's what people want. So I think it is a good time to really sort of hone your craft and and just get better at what you do. Um, and align that along with the business side, I think, yeah, I think is is really good. And um, what was the what was the sort of light bulb moment that made you sort of think, oh, artist collective? Was it sort of you having a beer one day with, with with your buddies? How did that come around? Yeah, so I made it out of my dorm room in college, senior year. I went to Columbia. I was still doing the typical music business classes. I was taking some publishing classes. Um, I wasn't really sure exactly what my focus was going to be. Um, I knew I didn't really just want to go get an internship at some big label and get coffee for people, no offense, but I knew that I kind of wanted to build something myself, especially because the internships and the jobs that I had were working with, you know, entrepreneurs that were, that were building their own music businesses. So I know I wanted to do something and I really enjoyed managing, you know, I managed my own metal band for a while. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I liked building something, helping them craft their message and craft, you know, their vision. That's what I knew that I wanted to do. I, I think in my time at college, I realized that that's, that that's what it was. So, um, Arts Collective started as a management company. You can't see I'm doing air quotes, management company. I wasn't sure how it was going to, to happen. So I started it, me and my buddy, uh, who was the bassist in my band, shout out Steve. Yeah. Um, he actually came up with the name. Okay. You know, he literally just came up. He was just like, yeah, Arts Collective. I was like, I love it. <laughs> it, was, it was that simple. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't go through anything. Yeah. I was like, that's great. Yeah. Um, 
So we started it as a management company and I just started working with as many artists as I could. A lot of, a lot of them for free, yeah. you know, yeah. just getting experience yeah. and understanding yeah. what it was and shaping what the services were going to be. And it pivoted and reshaped over the years into what it is today. Yeah. And, um, I have no regrets about that. You know, it's okay to like not know how, whatever your vision is for your business is probably going to change slightly over the years. And I think that's okay. You're never going to know exactly like no. what it's going to be no. like Facebook thought it was going to be something very different than it is today. I'm sure, you know what I mean? It started as something different and it slowly pivoted over time to the, to the, you know, mega corporation that it is today. So, um, you know, it started managing, marketing, um, and now it's now now it's more of coaching, uh, things like that, mentorship. Yeah, no, no. Do, do you get um, so so? How do you find the the artists? Then do they come to you? You've obviously got a, a strong network, um, so people can just come in on email, or do, do they pick up the phone to you and say that this is what we're looking to do? How does the sort of process work with an artist with you? Yeah. So how how it works now is. Uh, a little bit of all of those things, you know, I feel like over the years, we've definitely, gr you know, grown some momentum and I don't have to do too much cold calling, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, amazing. I'm, I'm very grateful for yeah. that. Um, I've been able to build some buzz over here, specifically in Chicago. Um, for like three years, we, we ran um, in-person artist networking events, something that the city is not, you know, just to paint the picture a little bit better here. Um, for you and your listeners, um, Chicago has incredible talent, incredible talent, but nobody stays here. Nobody ever like creative wise in terms of music artists, not a lot of people actually physically stay here because they go to where the opportunities are. They go to LA, they go to Nashville, they go to New York, Atlanta, anywhere else because the, the labels are there or they're making movies there or Broadway's there, whatever. So and I really was distraught from that because it's a beautiful city and there's incredible talent, you know, rock band from rock bands to rappers to, you know, indie rock, whatever. There's a lot of talent here. So I wanted to keep it here. I wanted to keep things here. So I, I made it a, a goal to, to keep the business here and get artists and industry professionals talking. Um, you know, you go to LA and there's tons of, you know, mixers and, uh, industry events and things like that. And that wasn't happening here. It is a very segregated city. <clears throat> you said that you've never been, but, um, every single neighborhood is just like its own city, its own pocket. And people are just like, yeah, they're on the West side and they just stay on the West side. So, um, what I did is I created networking events that popped up all, you know, I, I had deals with a bunch of different venues and bars and clubs, rooftops. I did a boat event once um, just to <laughs> yeah. mix it up and get people talking. You know, I brought artists there and producers and managers because those events weren't really happening just to show, hey, there's actually opportunities here if, if you utilize them. Because I, I, I want people to stay here and, you know, utilize the city and everything it has to offer. No, I think that's a good, um, that's a bit like, it's it's a bit like London as well. Um, I don't know if you've been, um, but there's sort of three three areas in the UK. You've got London, Manchester, and Edinburgh. Um, <clears throat> and obviously, London is centric where all the labels are, where everything is. And it's a bit like Los Angeles or New York. But the difference 
I, I can totally see what you're doing in Chicago and I completely understand what you're doing because there's several things that happen like that in London and there's been a quite a big disconnect. So there's different governing bodies in London that will support the indie sector. Um, they've We've got a, a governing body, I think, called the Association of Independent Musicians, which I was a member of for quite a long time, which invites managers and uh, labels and um, artists all to sort of meet and chat. And, and it does work really, really well. And you are right, there's lots of acts that will just move on to another area because that's where the work is. So everyone gravitates towards London because um, that's obviously where a lot of the work is. And now they're gravitating towards Manchester because there's a new media hub in Manchester, um, which the sort of BBC have gone to, ITV have gone to. So it's sort of, I think it's called like Media City now. So I can understand what you're saying. It's very difficult to sometimes keep, um, you know, keep creatives in, in one place and i think if you're able to do that which is what you're doing and i think that the city's got more of a more of a chance and you've actually surprised me really because i thought chicago would have been you know as good as la new york and nashville but obviously everybody wants to leave which is you know it's good that you're there trying to do your bit yeah no i appreciate that yeah i've never been to london i'd, lo- I'd love to do so but yeah it definitely sounds sounds similar just just pockets of of places um but i will say this you know Chicago is the most, it's the easiest to transit that I've ever been to um, because we're on a grid system. So it's actually really easy to get to all of these different neighborhoods. So it also surprises me when I, you know, I have a friend there on the west side. They're like, ah, you're all the way on the north. I'm just like, you take a couple (laughs) buses. Like, it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is just there's not a lot of labels here. And like I said before, that brainwash and just people thinking, oh, there's no labels equals success. And it's like, yeah, that's definitely true, but you can also build your own thing. So I feel like we've got a pretty good mecca here of, 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 you know, independent artists that are just staying here, you know, planting their feet in the ground and saying, I love the city. I'm going to build what I can here. And if, if the pandemic has showed us anything, it's just that you don't have to physically be in a location to still succeed. I mean, you and I are talking right now. This is, this is incredible. You, you can talk to your audience yeah. and you don't have to be in LA and you can still take advantage of what LA has to offer if, if you're in the right opportunities. So you don't have to be there. You can travel and travel as well. Once, once the restrictions are, are uh, brought up, you can, you can travel more, you can live in one area and tour, whatever. So you don't have to be there necessarily, but I get it. I get why people move, but I just don't want to yet. No, no I completely get that as well. And I think, I think again, that's one thing that pandemics taught us. And you don't need to have a big major label to actually, you know, push you out. There are a lot. We know about the marketing, we know about the PR and awareness, and we know that's you know the cost in that is can be astronomical. But as you said earlier as well, Evan, you you know, artists can start their own sort of mini label. They can start their own sort of their project and actually build a little vague corner and build it from there. And I think that's you know, don't concentrate on the big agent, don't concentrate on the big manager. And I sort of agree with you on um, on the manager side because there's too many bands that even some of the acts that I was working with and they always want the big manager. And I'm like, they're not interested in you. They don't care. It's, you know, they haven't got time for you. You just concentrate on what you do and learn about the business. And then then they come knocking on your door. Then you've got more choices. Um, but I think it's going back to what we were saying earlier. I think you just got to learn a bit more about the business and just sort of understand it a bit more so that you... Plus, it makes your creativity better, I think, because I think if you understand the business more, then you're a bit more comfortable with actually what you're doing rather than in 10 years' time with, you know, acts that go, oh, well, you know, I've done three albums with X and... I haven't really got any royalties and uh, I did loads of shows, but uh, I don't know where, you know, where my back end royalties are. I'm like, well, 
now you want us to sort your problem or sort your life out it becomes then you sort of think well this is the time for indies to be really cool and i think it's a good time for indies to actually step up to the plate evan and actually say well we're going to do our own thing and we're going to earn a living and create a living um and move forward definitely yeah absolutely i, I love the manager piece you just you just mentioned because you know there's the, the two main types of managers You've got the big manager that doesn't have a lot of time, but has a whole bunch of connections. Like you said, are they going to want to focus on helping you, you know, navigate your royalties or explain what BMI is or ASCAP or other performance rights organizations? No, 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 no. They're not going to do that. And too many bands want those connections without doing the work themselves. So then you've got on the flip side, you got the other manager, which is um, the young manager, the manager that may not have a lot of connections, but is yeah. going to hustle yeah. their butt off for you. Um, they're usually your super fans first. Um, they love what you do. They love your music and they want to hustle, you know, till, till 1am in the morning for you to try to make those connections and, you know, help you with those royalties. So you have those two types, you know? So a lot of times when you're first getting started, you're going to want that. I always refer to the, to the momager, but it doesn't have to be a mom. It can be a, it can be a friend or a fan or a family member who just loves what you do and wants to see you succeed. So if you really feel like you need that manager, I would say go to that person. Look, look into your immediate circle of people who love what you do. Um, yeah, d don't go straight for those connections because like you said, no. they, they don't they don't have time to, to deal with that. They want something to succeed. I, I even break it down this way. You know, typical manager, typical, not necessarily all, takes about 15% on average, 15%. You have to be making $100,000 and they're still, they're still only making 15,000 a year that's essentially nothing at that rate they're going to probably have 10 to 20 other artists potentially just to make their ends meet um so when you break it down like that it's like if you're not even making fifty thousand a year with what you're doing you need to build it yourself build it first then they'll yeah. come you know if you you, you say hey i'm making two hundred thousand a year I, I, we're ready for a manager okay then you got their attention i think yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. think about yeah. it yeah, no, I, I think so and i think it's honing your craft and learning what you can do and I, i've always um sort of taken that ethos as well evan i think if you um i've always told the band that just concentrate on your performance just con just don't worry about anything else if you're going to play live concentrate on your live performance and make that as best as you can be because your first show is going to be a bit wobbly your second show is going to be a bit better the time you get to your 10th show or festival you are going to be really tight and you're going to be really really good so when you when you've honed that and you get it to that point then people will come knocking on your door you will get the you know oh, what, what are they up to well, that's quite interesting um maybe we'll have a conversation and i think it just always piques people's interest but I think coming back to the, the grounds of the business, I think if you're helping people in Chicago prepare for the industry, um, then that's got to be a good thing, definitely, going forward. Definitely. Yeah, and, you know, just to tack on to that, performance, definitely always be honing your craft. You know, if you don't sound good on stage, why would a manager want to want to work with you? But also, ha have real fans, not you know, numbers on a screen, not followers, not streams, have real fans who are giving you real physical money and engaging with you. You know, if you can come to somebody and say, yeah, I've got an e an active email list of 50,000 people, like that's a powerful tool. That's a little bit more, you know, uh, enticing metric than I've got a million yeah. followers and, you know, there's no engagement. 
So it's really just shifting your focus into what's important. And you really should, they should be, you know, honing their craft and honing their relationship with, with the fans. And I feel like, again, you know, it seems to be a, a hot topic right now, of course, makes sense. The pandemic has given people more time, artists more time to do that. They can be in their DMs, chatting with people, um, creating real relationships. I have at least with my with my uh, community, and it's been amazing. I've been able to create deeper relationships with them, so that when I do have something I need them to participate in, they're more likely to do so instead of just you know posting <laughs> on Instagram. Hey, I need people who follow me to do this. I can reach out to people directly and actually have a relationship like make friends first yeah. that that happen to like your music so i would say 100 percent agree with you hone your craft but hone your ability to create relationships with your fans and go deeper if you can yeah yeah no no, no I, I completely agree and i think um i think that's sort of touching on quite a lot of areas and i i do think it is a great opportunity for the indies to actually take take you know, don't worry about the big labels. Don't worry about the big corporations. Just do your own thing. And, you you know, I've seen acts, you know, like you have, go out there and earn money, um, you know, just from touring, just from doing their merchandising. And some of the acts that back in the day, that would they would sell fortunes of T-shirts. I mean, one particular band in, that I didn't work with, but I, I knew very well, they would sell 70 to 80 T-shirts at a gig. Now, $10, that's quite good, yeah. to be honest with you. And they would, <laughs> yeah. they would do it regularly. They would do it regularly, and it was. And I always tend to find as well, um, not being genre specific, but in a way I am because I used to find that that the punk bands and the metal bands were just that little bit more respective. That they sort of respected everything that people would do for them. They would go on stage and just blitz the stage to bits. Massive performance. They'd come off stage and people would either be scared of them because of the way they looked or didn't think they'd have anything to say. But when you sit down with these people, they got plenty to say and they're very, very respectful people. And I always, I always found that very fascinating, engaging with that community, with, with metal bands, with punk bands. And they just seem to get on better than, than, in my experience, than any other band. I don't know if that's fair to say, but that's sort of my experience, really, Evan. Definitely. And, and I'd say the fans of those bands. I mean, I, you know, I was in a metal band for a while. I was a drummer. So I was able to see like mosh pits were insane. People were like pushing each other, but even the bands themselves would like say, "Hey, if somebody if somebody you know falls down, you trample somebody, you you, you bring them up. We're a family." Like it was it was such a weird like he's like you were saying yeah. such a weird balance of like disrespect and respect. Yeah. <laughs> of like let's push each other, but not too hard. Yeah. You know you know you know we're all we're all here together. This is a we're a family. This is a this is a movement. But we're we're here to respect each other and things like that. And, you know, of course, fights would break out for sure. But yeah, bands in particular as well. Very, they understood that they could only get to their next spot if they sold merchandise. They could only get enough gas if they um, sold their CDs or you know got tips from the people in the audience. So, like you said, I completely agree. They seem to be the most um, grateful of of the genres in my experience, in terms of fan relationship. Yeah, no, I, 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 I completely echo that as well. And I think um, taking that forward, I mean, seeing such a glut of sort of independent music um, it, just over the last sort of, you know, let alone this year, over the last sort of four or five years, and I've retouched on this a lot, but do you think independent artists have a chance to, to succeed now? Do you think they can actually pay a mortgage they can bring up children, they can have the dog, they can have the, the nice car, and they can earn a living from what they're doing. Do you think that's definitely possible now? Definitely. Um, 
I think just understanding it does take time. It does take a lot of commitment and, you know, some sacrifice. Um, it's just like building any business, you know, right? Three to five years, you're probably not going to make, first three to five years, probably not going to make any money. You want to reinvest it in it, like any other small business. So under the understanding of that, like, don't be taking out your money to, you know, buy new sneakers or buy a new PS5. Like you need to reinvest <laughs> it. You need to be business conscious. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I work with artists first. My, my kind of expertise on the team is, is branding and, and mindset is shifting your mind and into setting goals and, you know, managing your money, things like that. Cause that's important. If you can't do that, you're going to hit success just like a lot of major artists do when they don't have that mindset shift and they don't read their contracts, they get their advance and they blow it. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. You, that could happen as an independent artist as well. So that mindset shift has to happen. You have to just say, this isn't, you know, fame, it's a business. So to answer your question, absolutely is possible. Um, tons of artists doing it and getting creative with your income streams is a, is a big piece of what we do. Your royalties, I'll be honest, it's going to take a while for those to stack up enough for you to pay your rent, pay your mortgage. Um, so what else can you do creatively? I'm here to build music brands, not necessarily a specifically a music career. You know, we've got, you know, just to give you examples of some of our clients, I've got a client who is a sommelier as well. So she focuses, you know, she has a fan subscription, like, like a Patreon of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. She gets booked at wineries and talks about wine because that's her spe specific area of expertise along with, you know, releasing music. Yeah. You can probably imagine which one pays more. So <laughs> what other things can you tap into yeah. to your, to like you as a creator, you as an artist, not just a musician. It's not called Musicians Collective. It's called Artist Collective. Yeah. So using, you know, I've got, got artists that also do graphic design that do that, that hustle that freelance on the side to help pay their rent on top of releasing music. Got artists that um, do live streams in particular and um, help with lighting, all kinds of things. So what else can you tap into that you can create income streams that still, you know, is truly you? Like, wouldn't you rather be doing that creative um, work than getting a job at McDonald's or something? Like, yeah. so yeah. I think just understanding that it may not be the picture perfect, you know, Beyonce lifestyle of you just getting paid to walk into a booth and, you know, spitting bars and leaving and then just, you know, buying a new car. Like, that's not exactly how it's going to happen. And that's okay. So just understanding that it may not happen like that, but you can still pay your rent by doing stuff you love because that's what that's what it's all about yeah no absolutely so what what's the typical when an artist comes to you evan do, do you have like a sort of group sessions where you, you have several artists turn up and you'll you'll split the day with yourself and your partners how does that sort of work do you have like a, a, a structured course that they will go away and they would learn stuff and come back to you how does that sort of how's that working obviously at the moment the pandemic is obviously all online but in a typical way how would it work Sure. So what we have right now is, I'll, I'll give an analogy. Analogies are fantastic for people and for, for <laughs> yeah. me as well. Um, um, we have a typical membership that's like a gym membership, right? It's a, it's a very low flat fee per month where you can come and it, you know experience our uh, courses. We've got courses. You can just do it as yourself. Just like a gym, you walk in, lift some weights, you can decide what to do, you can run on the treadmill, you can build whatever, whatever area you you think that you should build. Um, 
We also have virtual meetups. We actually have one tonight. Oh, cool. <laughs> for instance, yep. um, we run them every, every single month. Members get in free. We also sell tickets. That's more of like workshops where we chat with people. Um, people can network. Um, I, same thing like I was talking about in Chicago where I brought in managers and label owners, same thing, just online. It's kind of better because we can reach the world instead of just Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the membership will include courses, the meetups. Um, we've got a private Facebook group to continue the conversation and we have free office hours. So members will, will drop our office hours. Hey, if you want to chat with us one-on-one -on -one about what you got going on, let us know. Um, then we have the next level, which is hiring us as your personal trainer, for instance. Um, that would be all four of the coaches on our team to really dive in. And we put a timestamp on that. It's a 90 day program to really jumpstart your career, to really help you rebrand, create, help you create some content that's engaging, um, help you build out income streams. Like I talked about before and help you get started on how to market all of that. You know, we call that the, that four, that four step system. So branding content uh, income streams and marketing. So we help them build that out one-on-one. -on -one. It's the, the way that's built out is uh, weekly calls with us along with some homework, some things to really focus on. Um, it's essentially just some curriculum that we help deep dive and, and hyper-focus on specific areas, which is going to look slightly different depending on the artist, but the, those four elements are always the same. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And what, what sort of, um, how do the artists sort of take that do they have preconceived ideas and then do they suddenly think oh we're back at school or are they pretty much happy to engage really yeah um i think yeah we, we try to do a good job of prefacing that and just being like hey this you know this is only for the serious people like you got to be ready you got to be ready to work like we aren't you aren't hiring us as your manager we're not going to do it for you but we're going to help guide you um you know i think in the in the world of of coaches um, it's, I think a new thing for, for the entertainment industry, for the music industry in particular. Um, you know, I have a coach, I have a, I have a high performing coach that I work with to help me grow the business into places that I've never physically been, but he has. So I think it's really important to have a mentor and have somebody who's, who's done those certain things that can help guide you there. And I want to provide that to, to artists. So I, I think it is, it has been a little in the past few years before the pandemic it was a little difficult to break through to that because people are just like but you're i'm i'm, I'm paying you you you, you got to do all of it yeah. you're my manager yeah, yeah. it's like like what i said before i want to teach you how to fish i could fish for you but that's not going to help you what if you know what if i get hit by a bus like what what how are you gonna you gonna know what your royalties are you're gonna know how you're making money i want to teach you i want to work with entrepreneurs i want to help entrepreneurs build their own business i don't want to just do it for you but I want to be a uh, you know a constant resource for you during that time. Yeah, no, I think so because touching on what we said earlier is it sort of it, challenging with especially in this last year. But I also think that it is important for the indie sector to actually sort of you know take this on and look at it as a business. Whether you're opening a shop or whether you're selling cookies or whether you're you're selling coffee or you've you know you've got that construction company. It isn't any different. Entertainment isn't any different. It's a business, and I think if you can understand, you know, the the basics and the mechanics of how it works, um, you know, it can get as complicated as as anything. I mean, publishing can be as complicated as you know setting up a label to 
understanding you know mechanical royalties but you don't really need to contract that at the beginning you just need to understand you know that the overview of of the business and i think it sets you in good stead and i think it comes back to the point of what we were saying earlier is hone your craft be great at what you do writing song be a great performer then things will start to fall into place um and it's good that you're providing that um that resource in chicago which i think is, is positive yeah no i appreciate that yeah i agree um definitely important to look at it as a business and again i think it's it's still a working pro work in progress uh informing artists of of how this is um but we're getting there you know <laughs> we're slowly getting there <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's just it's just one of one of my favorite words is is um becky who's, who's my partner in the business i always say to her is be consistent and be consistent in whatever you do if you're consistent with a message or what you're trying to achieve then that will, will resonate through and people will think, oh, actually, that person is being consistent and actually I respect them for that because they're doing this. And I think that's a that's certainly a good way to go because the, the more you're consistent, the more you're actually providing, then I think um, the better over time it becomes, really. Um, so I think I think that's a good thing. And one of the things I was going to ask you, what, sort of changing tact a little bit, what has been your biggest failure, Evan? And what have you learned from that experience? What's the one thing that you went, oh, God, that was just awful. Why did I do that? Yeah, um, I'm going to refer back to the coach I'm talking about that that, that I'm working with. I've, I've worked with for a while now. Um, I was resistant to doing it. You know, I was, had in my mind that, no, I don't need this. I can do it myself. And it, years went by, right? Years went by. Um, coach, coach was actually a, a close friend of mine yep. and yep. he would send me tidbits, you know, for, for free, for instance, like, Hey, do this, fill out this worksheet, maybe work on this. And I was just like, nah, yeah, I just didn't do it. Um, and finally, you know, it got to that breaking point. It was just like, I've hit a plateau. I'm not sure how else to grow We're doing great at what we do, but you know, we need to, we need to do more. I need to, um, get to that next level that everybody wants to get to. Right. Um, and finally pulled the trigger, hired him, started working together. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I've never actually vocalized this. He sends me the same worksheets, same <laughs> things. Yeah. I'm telling you same things. And he's like, I'm not going to lie to you, Evan. I, I I'm sending you the same stuff I've seen for years and you've done nothing, but it was that, it was that switch. You know, there's, there's something in the mind of you're paying, you know, it's just like the gym. Let's go to the gym. Yeah. Somebody said, Hey, yeah. free gym membership. I'm less likely to go because I'm like, there's, you know, there's no, um, there, there's no opportunity cost there. there. There's no reason to go. You know, I can blow it off. But as soon as I paid a high, a high priced coach, I did those worksheets and we have grown exponentially because of it. So that was my biggest failure. And I think I needed to go through that. So it's not really, I don't see any failure as a failure. I see it as a, as a way to, to learn, but yeah. um, it's kind of a cool story to show. I'm telling you, it's the exact same things that I got for free. Cause he's my friend. He's like, dude, do these things. These are the things I'm working on with other businesses. Um, really focus on that. But having someone there to help hold my hand and say, this is that you're on the right track, validate me. And also push me into a new direction out of my comfort zone. Um, I just wish I would have just done those <laughs> done those worksheets. But handing over that money, I think there was just like, all right, I'm locked in now. Um, so I think you know, it just goes goes to show that the, the power of that, the power of hiring somebody and like taking something seriously. Yeah, <laughs> it's called paying, giving me that check, and it gets cashed, and you go, 
oh dear, now I've actually got to do something about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's there's a level of accountability too, and that's what that's what we bring to the table for artists as well. It's like, cool, they're hiring us. Yeah, there's money involved, but also we're you know we're on their ass a little bit. We're like, hey, are you gonna are you doing this? Like, I'm texting them, I'm calling them. You get this done? I didn't see it. That accountability piece is so huge, and it's and it's. I think sometimes not valued as much as it should be. Like uh, for me, I, I need somebody to help, you know, hold me accountable. So that that's what that brings. So I just wish I would have done those worksheets to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you got there in the end and that's, that is the main thing really. And I know um, we sort of touched on this earlier, but who's really been the one person that's been influential over the years to you i know we sort of spoke about your mum but has it been anyone else or was it or was it been purely sort of your mum really you know i'll be honest i don't really i don't follow them too much anymore but what really helped flip the switch and get me you know you you know when you grow a business you you go in levels you know when, yeah. when you always yeah you always talk about i need to get to the next level uh, artists say that all the time business owners say that all the time you, you'll you'll go and you'll plateau and you'll just be like something needs to happen a switch needs to happen so one of the one of the first switches right out of right out of college when i was building it and i was still like i'm not sure what this is um for me was was the was was the uh the good v gary v gary vaynerchuk i remember reading his book crush it now I remember seeing him on social media and like before this, like I was, I stood behind the artist collective logo. I stood behind the business and I was like, I don't need to be in front of the camera. I'm, I'm a drummer, right? I'm a shy dude by, I'm an introvert by nature. Um, I was never doing things like what you and I are doing right now. Yeah. Like it was, yeah, yeah. it was nerve wracking yeah. to me. I, I, yeah. I didn't think I needed to do it. I was nervous. What if I said something wrong? What if I offended somebody, all this stuff. And it really was powerful to, to read his book, crush it and to see him doing what he's doing and just, you know, <laughs> not giving a damn. And it was, it, it was very powerful for me. And it really pushed me over the edge to be like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna post my videos. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to help people and use my face. And once I started to do that, like people need to see other people, like they can see a business logo all day long, but in order to build trust, they need to see a human being. So that was the next, the the first biggest hurdle that I, I got through because, you know, the business wasn't growing and people were like, I don't know what this business is. And once I started to show my face and like, you know, show up more online and individually with people, um, things started to move a lot faster. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it give it to Gary V right now. You familiar <laughs> with him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am. I am. I think um, I, I think that's quite an interesting, um, definitely an interesting take on what you're saying. And I think. Yeah, I'd sort of um, agree with you as well, Evan, because I think all the work that I've done and the work that Becky's done that I work with, we never really put ourselves out there. So all the management stuff that I do and working all the labels, I never really put myself out there either. It was more of, yeah, okay, I've worked with so-and-so. If someone asked me the question, they get an answer, but I wouldn't actually you know, go and do that. And probably this last year for me personally and and with becky's an artist in her own right but i'd say with both of us this last year 18 months we've actually just gone out to the community and gone wallop this is what we do and that's why we started the podcast really because we wanted to provide provide something back into the community uh, with our knowledge and expertise and i think that's why you and i are talking today but really because of the podcast to be honest with you otherwise i probably would never know of what you what you was up to because marilyn wouldn't have contacted us so um it's just interesting you say that and i think everyone i suppose the pandemic's got to we've got to be grateful for certain things because it sort of pushed us all in a in a good way really 
Absolutely. It's, it's forced us, you know, out of our comfort zones. And that's really what it's about when you're growing a business, whether it's, a, you know, like you said, a cookie shop or a music business, you, you've got to push yourself out of those comfort zones. And that's, that, that's a space that I've really been obsessed with over the past maybe three years is, you know, mindfulness and, you know, meditation and just mindset stuff, because that's such a big shift that needs to happen for you to really grow, yeah. um, jumping out of comfort zones and just understanding being self-aware of what you've got going on. So that's definitely a space I've been heavily focused on. I think it's really important for every entrepreneur, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think there's times when, you know, even with what Becky and I are doing and the teams that we work with, you, you have days, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, I have two or three days where I think, oh, why am I doing this? I'm, you know, I'm fed up with it or I'm just sick and tired of the independent sector or no one listens or did it and then you do a call or you have a conversation with someone and you think oh actually um, yeah maybe it, it, it is quite good really it's just i suppose we're all human beings and sometimes you're allowed to just get that bit fed up with what you're doing and i think that's a natural thing to be honest with you yeah absolutely i, I definitely have those days too and i think that's the, you know one of the one of the first things as well in, in the mindset section that I work with artists is, is d defining your why. If you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you're going to, you're going to fall off the wagon. You're going to, you're going to lose your way. You're going to lose your path. So why are you doing it? You know, you know, if, whether it's goes back to childhood or, you know, some, something connected to your parents or your passion, like figure that out, write it down. Don't forget it. So when you have those days, you can look at that journal and say, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So you don't have to wait for that call that you're talking about. You can just read it and say, yep, that's it. And you can embody that, that feeling that it has. So I think that's really important too. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And one of the things, um, I don't know if you've ever heard this, Evan, but one of the things I learned quite a long time ago is I was, I was in a meeting and I come out of the meeting and the guy I was, I was with turned around to me and said, oh, that wasn't a really good meeting because people get promoted to a level of incompetence. And I was like, wow, that's a really powerful statement. <laughs> and that's, that has sucked with me for my entire life, for, for a good 30 years, because we all do that. And I think one of the biggest things that I've tried to do is that you go into a meeting, you have such a great meeting and you think, you're going to change the world with these people you've met and you don't hear nothing from them and they just disappear and you think oh here we go again they've just you know been a, a great conversation and nothing else happened and i think that that's they're the two things that i've always had an issue with is is people that get promoted to a level of incompetence which many people do and you think oh my god that's just ruined that situation and then obviously you know going going to that point where you just think well, how am i going to deal with this i've tried to get hold of this person now they've left or they're not interested just give me a one a one-line email to say we're not interested or thanks very much it's not for us but people just seem to disappear and i think that can be quite a frustrating um, place to navigate so it's it's good that you're never on your own with that because it's pretty much i think the whole world is having to deal with that right now yeah i mean sometimes people just aren't ready they're not ready to burst out of the comfort zone we've, we've had clients kind of fall off because they're like whoa you guys this is too much i'm like yeah but we tried to tell you this is going to be a lot <laughs> so it, it's okay you know you gotta you gotta be self-aware enough to know when you're ready for that step or you or you're not and i think most people just that's what it comes down to that self-awareness piece they're they're not there yet they they have this this vision in their mind where they want to be, but they don't have the understanding of what it's really going to take. And you're just going to have to test that through time. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, 
yeah. put your feet in, dive in a little bit, and, yeah. then, and then you'll know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So with with your experience and what you've sort of seen and learned, what's, what is the one thing you would change about the entertainment industry, and what would it be? What's that one thing? It would be that focus of vanity metrics, that 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 obsession with with quantity of everything quantity of followers obsession with tiktok views heavy obsession over spotify streams like shift that focus i want artists to shift that focus over to the fans over to super fans um you know the 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 coaching program we have we have is called the lifelong super fan program we're here to not get you millions of streams or millions of followers. We want to get you quality super fans. So if you can make that shift and, you know, take the time to connect with the one, two, 200 artists that are fans that are raising their hands online and saying, Hey, I like what you're doing. Most of the time artists will forget them and they just are focused on the quantity. And I don't care about that. Oh, they said, cool. And they're not commenting back. They're not commenting back on these people. Jump into their DMs and say, hey, what's up? I want to send you something free. If you were able to do that over time and build a thousand super fans, I'd take a thousand super fans over a million passive followers any day. So that that's what I would change. The the obsession over quantity and focus on quality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree with that as well, because I think people can get lost in the midst of the, the social media of you know no one's liked my post or or that didn't get a reaction or why didn't that and you just think no no just just go back to what we were saying no, hone your craft be good at what you do and just concentrate on quality no i i am um, i completely agree with that um so what's next for evan what, what what does this year look like we're coming out of hopefully coming out of covid and, and moving forward what's this next 12 months going to be for you right um we are heavily focusing on this coaching program. We just launched it at the beginning of this year. Um, one of my colleagues who is with, with us in this coaching program just released his first book uh, within Artist Collective. Um, so we're going to ride that wave and promote that a little bit. It's called 365 Livestream Ideas for Musicians. <laughs> okay. um, it's It was born from the pandemic. It was born from the switch of moving from live shows to live streams um, and just showcasing all the different ways you can live stream apart from just playing your guitar, right? Um, and how it's a really great intimate way to build those super fans because it's in real time. It's as close as you can get to playing live as you possibly can. Um, so we are going to keep pushing that. Um, going to just looking for new artists, new, new entrepreneurs, music entrepreneurs that are looking to take their take their careers to the next level. Maybe they're hitting a plateau. Maybe they're hitting a place where it's like, I've been doing it for a while, um, got released music, not sure where to go from here. You know, you're, you're, the, you're the people I want to talk to. I, I want to help. So I'm just, you know, dialing that in as much as possible. So it's, it's going to be busy. <laughs> it's going to be busy. It's already busy. Um, <laughs> we've got maybe 20, 20 clients right now. No, that's not that we work with directly. Yeah. Um, yeah. close to a hundred on the uh, just general membership. You know that gym that I spoke to before. So we're already pretty busy, but I I'm constantly looking for new artists to to inspire and and help them grow. No, that no, that is that's really good. And I think that's 
if there's more of this around the world, and I think it's going to be more of a better creative society and just arming people in a better way, really, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, not everyone's going to take everything on board, but I think if they take on as much as they can when they're ready to do it, then it's it's got to be a, you know, a better independent sector, to be honest. Yeah, I could not agree more. Last of all, Evan, we sort of, you know, talk to you all day about the industry and have a coffee, but... Where can our listeners find out more about you and connect with you? What's the best way they can sort of get in touch, really? Sure. Um, I live on Instagram more than anything. (laughs) Uh, My tag is AC underscore Evan. Um, And you can check us out at artistcollect.com. And there's more information. You'll find my face there. And there's actually a phone number you, you can text. I've got a texting line. Got a question about your, your, you know, your path, your, your career. You want to connect you want to learn more about the the program i'm pretty active on there on my on my text list as well so you can reach out to me directly um so the website is the best place um or instagram for the business as well as just artist collect pretty much artist collect everywhere um so yeah looking forward to connecting with everybody but basically they can find you anywhere online which is cool that's cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm just trying to avoid saying Google me, but you can do that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It, it just, we're all living online. We're all living on Zoom. It's, 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 yeah, it's mad. But I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure today, Evan. Thanks for joining us on the Entertainment Engine, and we wish you all the very best with um, with going forward. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been great. Great connecting with you, man. Appreciate you. And now it's time to introduce the Entertainment Engine Artist in the Spotlight. And this month, we welcome a great independent country band all the way from Denver, Colorado, called The Barlow. The band's sound combines influences of red dirt, Americana, outlaw country and guitar-heavy southern rock into their songs. Now, it's over to the band to introduce their latest release. Hey, it's Shay from The Barlow. It's great to be featured on the Entertainment Engine podcast. Here's our new single, Horseshoe Lounge. Hope you enjoy it.
really enjoyed that track. Really uplifting, great energy from the band. Super track. And if you want to learn more about the band, please visit their website at www.thebarlowband.com. So please keep those artist submissions coming so we can feature more great independent music from around the world. And remember, when you submit music to us, please do it in link format. No attachments, please. So drop us your links and bio to our email, podcast at seamlessentertainment.co.uk. And now it's that time again this week. It's over to Bex for the question of the day. Let's have a quick recap onto last week's question. Which British TV show recorded the largest audience for a single episode with over 30 million viewers? And the answer is... EastEnders Christmas episode in 1986. A big thanks to everybody who sent in their answers to us this week. And we pulled one name out of a hat and we want to give a shout out to Alan from Kent in the UK who got the answer correct. I'll be back to you next week with more fun facts and a question of the day. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Entertainment Engine. And thanks for listening. Join us again next week for more great guest interviews from the world of entertainment. Plus, we will have our question of the day and music and movie facts for our listeners. It would be great to have your feedback on the show. So please drop us a message at any time. We would love to hear from you. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast platforms so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening to the show. And remember to all stay safe. The Entertainment Engine.